0: No hint of the terror ruling both city and state was evident in the brightly lighted business center of Heartland. The streets were crowded with automobiles, new, bright, powerful cars. The sidewalks were thronged with pedestrians who were well-dressed, who spent money lavishly. The shops were busy. Laughter and good cheer prevailed. Visitors from out of state, looking upon the scene, frequently remarked, "'This is prosperity returned. The Depression no longer exists here.' Governor Young has performed an economic miracle. These visitors did not suspect that this was exactly what Governor Young wanted them to say. They did not dream that they were being deluded with a scene enacted for their benefit by thousands of Young's hirelings. They did not know that the cars, the clothing, the money, were provided by the State Treasury, that the Treasury had acquired it by summarily confiscating wealth from hundreds of victims who had no redress. Visitors accepted Young's Square as a true picture of prosperity, when, in reality, it was a staged spectacle, false to its very centre. Behind a dozen show-spots in the city, all dressed in counterfeit colours upon orders of the governor, the true conditions prevailed. Homes that were patrolled under false quarantine, jails crowded with respectable men and women, who had been imprisoned without trial, in filthy buildings, herded about like animals to be bought and sold, because they were opponents of the governor. State institutions packed with others who had dared voice opposition to the despotic young. Thousands being dealt scanty food supplies by ration cards, food which could be and was denied them at the whim of the dictator. Fear everywhere, liberties destroyed, businesses confiscated, homes endangered, and the ominous shadow of Governor Young blanketing away the principles of true American government. Yet in Young Square, the visitor said, "'Governor Young is the man of the hour, "'the man who can lead us to new heights of prosperity, "'the man we need in the President's chair.'" Into the false glitter of the square, a taxi crawled from a dark side street to discharge two passengers. Operator Five and Tim Donovan hurried into the foyer of a tall building. A moment later, high above the street, they entered an office filled with clicking typewriters, clattering telegraph instruments. This was the Heartland Bureau of the Amalgamated News Service, and Jimmy Christopher's card was a passport which opened the way for him straight to the desk of the wire chief. The middle-aged chief, in shirt-sleeves, face colored by the green of his eye-shade, pushed aside a sheaf of copy and peered deeply into Jimmy Christopher's eyes. He glanced around warily, at an empty desk beside him. His manner was fearful, his eyes a warning. "'I want all the information you can give me,' Operator Five told him crisply, "'concerning Diane Elliot. The wire chief leaned forward suddenly. "'For God's sake, don't mention her name. I can tell you nothing about her. I warned her not to write of Young as she did, but she went ahead anyway. No one can help her now.' "'She was working out of this bureau, and you were the last to see her,' Operator Five insisted. "'Governor Young's blacks are hunting for me. I can't stay here long. You must—' "'Listen,' the wire chief spoke in a sibilant whisper. "'Our souls are not our own.' We're not running a news service any longer. We've been forced into being propaganda spreaders for Young. We don't dare tell the truth. We say what Young wants us to say. If we didn't, we would disappear as Diane Elliott disappeared. I insist upon knowing. There was a sound of a step behind the wire chief, and his eyes flashed a new warning. To the adjacent desk had come a man, a hard-faced, black-eyed person, whose gaze searched that of Operator Five. Immediately, the wire chief said, more loudly, so that the newcomer would overhear, "'Certainly. We're in a better condition than any other state in the country. We're prosperous, thanks to Governor Young. He deserves to be elected president, and he will be.' Operator 5, taking the hint, asked about economic conditions in the state. As he talked and listened, he watched the other man. The wire chief, with apparent absent-mindedness, scrawled on a sheet of copy paper while continuing to echo the praises of Governor Young.' In a burst of simulated enthusiasm, he leaned forward and held the sheet so that Jimmy Christopher could read. He's Young's man, censor. No word goes onto our wires without his approval. One word from him, and I would be jailed, and another young man put in my place. Be wise and forget about Diane Elliot. Hastily, the wire chief tore the sheet to bits and dropped them into a wastebasket.